today on the show, 89 Years a Nun, Mama Knows Best, Persevere Against the Culture, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts now. That's right. It is time for the CU Weekly, the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. This is episode 384. And as you may have guessed it, I am still Kathleen yeah. Lee. Father Chris is back in America. He's back in Louisiana. He's back home. He is recuperating. So I know I promised him last week, but... Excuses. I know. You're going to have to just put up with me for at least one more week. But joining me this week are Olivia Galino. She is the Associate Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Hello, Olivia. Hello, Kathleen. Welcome. And welcoming back Father Brad Doyle. He is the parochial vicar of St. James, St. Philip, and Our Lady of Peace in Vachery, Louisiana. So glad to have you back. Jeff gave me a monster. (laughs) (laughs) So by the end of the show, it should be quite interesting. Thanks a lot, Jeff. So uh, Father does a triple header every weekend. Is that what we're saying here? Yeah. Oh, my. I'm I'm down. I'm down. (laughs) That brings us to the one and only Mr. Jeff Blackwell. He is Uh, our technical director of the CU and commandant of the Jeff Star One Near Earth Orbit Satellite. Hello up there. You got me going in circles. (laughs) Yes, indeed. We also have another guest. We are so excited to have Mr. Albert DuPont, our yeah. video director in the house today, in the ball pit. Yes, right. Ed Ball is on assignment. So um, we are happy to have you here with us, Albert. <laughs> he says glad <laughs> to be lou- here. He's louder. I know. Yeah, yeah, right? So good. So good. Well, welcome. I know, again, you know, again, um, we promised Father Chris, but we'll have to do for okay. now. Okay, absence makes the heart grow fonder That's and true. all that. If that's the truth, then we are so very, very fond, very fond of our absent Father Chris. You must come back. Yes. Y'all, I'm like, I don't, nobody can ever leave ever again. You're all going <laughs> to stay here forever. We're going to do this forever. No leaving. Amen. It makes me so sad. I don't like, no, sit. <laughs> I don't, I don't like when my people go away. So like, yeah. no, I'm the same way. I, I have friends who are like talking about going off to like graduate school upon graduate school and whatever. And I'm like, I will, I, I'll steal your mail. No. I'll hack into your email, whatever, right? to make sure that you don't know where, if you got in anywhere. Right. Because it's not happening. It's well, not someone happening. once told me that actually moving away is a material evil. It's not a moral evil. But it's a material evil because it actually denies your community and the principle of subsidiarity to, to stick with your community. So, Yeah, so therefore it's evil to move away from me. No one ever do it ever. You should never have told her that. <sighs> Good night. So anyway, uh, with all things considered, and hopefully Father Chris will be back next week. Um, it'll be so good to have him back. I don't know if I can give up my chair though. I'm just saying. Yeah, I would love to see y'all battle that out, and I'll just be over here like, what's up? <laughs> right? Okay. So I heard about um this really cool Polish nun, um who just recently passed away at the age of 110 years old. Mercy. Wow. Whoa. Yes. So wait, this- 110. That would she was born in what? 1908. 1908. Sweet. Mm. This lady, That's and awesome. like, it's not like, it's not like she entered a convent and then nobody ever heard from her for a hundred and ten years, <laughs> right. right? This lady's life. Okay. She was believed to be the oldest nun in the world. She was a Polish Dominican nun, Sister Cecilia Maria Rosak, hmm. right? And her name, her, her name, Sister Cecilia is uh, spelled very Polish. C-E-C-Y-L-I-A. Love it. 
was beautiful. She was born Maria Rosak um, on March 25th of 1908 um, in a town in West Central Poland, right? And she graduated from trade school at the age of 21, and then she entered a cloistered convent um, of Dominican sisters in Krakow um, at the On Grodak Monastery, as it's commonly called, obviously, from your reading. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? I, I, I knew remember about that. that. Yeah, mm -hmm. right? And so then in 1938, um, she and a bunch of her other sisters traveled to this place called Vilnius, right, which is now in Lith Lithuania, but it was at the time a part of Poland. How many times did uh, did nation states change borders while right? she was alive? You yeah. know, I mean, it's now in this. It wasn't yeah. this. It was part of the <laughs> Ottoman Empire. Mm -hmm. Right. They went there and they were trying to um, in order. They wanted to establish another convent. Right. But of course, this was during the time of 1938, during the time of World War Two. And it prevented them from doing this. So um, for two years. Vilnius was uh, under Soviet occupation, and then, of course, it was under German occupation after the Nazis invaded. So the sisters didn't just sit around and twiddle their thumbs and say, oh, woe is us, I wish that we could, um, you know, build a convent. Mm. No, they, their, their mother superior, Mother Bertranda. Ooh, yes. And Solid this, name. Yeah, right? And this group of sisters hid 17 members of the Jewish resistance in their convent. Yeah, so they were like, let's do this. Well, yeah. Like Pius XII. Right. Mm -hmm. People think the church was not active right. in, uh, in, in rescuing um, Jews and other people who were persecuted during World War II and the Nazi occupations, but um, obviously, as we see, they were. Mm -hmm. yeah. They were just... They, I don't know, it's almost like playing them at their own game. Like, if you're going to be, like, subversive, so are we. Yeah. You know, like, if you're going to be secretive, so are we. Yeah. yeah. Like, look at this, this cloistered convent is mm -hmm. like... Come on. That's it's like, yeah, I love that. It. Like, they, it is a cloister. They're accepting yeah. people into their cloister. Yeah. They're just Jewish. <laughs> right? Man, their, their vocations really spike that year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, according to uh, the World Holocaust Remembrance Center, uh, the Jewish people who actually found refuge with the sisters were members of this illegal group called the Jewish Zionist Underground Movement. Um, and there's a quote that says uh, from uh, Mother Bertranda's um her biography at the at the center it says despite the enormous difference between the two groups very close relations were formed between the religious christian nuns and the left-wing secular jews mm -hmm. the pioneers found a safe haven behind the convent's walls they worked with the nuns in the fields and continued their political activity they called the mother superior of the convent ima or mm -hmm. mother in hebrew Ooh. yeah right so they had a lot of respect for this woman who had taken them in like enough to call her mother you know for the role yeah. that she was in a very like affectionate term yeah but also yeah affectionately yeah very cool so in 1941 uh the jewish refuge that's the refugees that the sisters took in they decided to leave the convent and return um, to the jewish ghetto to help establish the resistance there and the the nuns helped them um continue to help them smuggle in supplies and, and help them in that way as well um and in september of 1943 uh mother bertranda was actually arrested mm. right um the the uh, Vilnius convent was closed and the nuns were dispersed. Hmm. Right. And so sister, let's go back to sister Rozak, right? Uh, she returns to Krakow, right? Um, although because of the war, her sisters had been expelled from there, uh, from their mother house. Um, and they were staying all over the place. They were kind of scattered. So in 1947, uh, they returned to their mother house. We haven't even gotten through this, like half of this lady's yeah. life. Right. Oh my gosh. Um, where sister would serve as a porter, an organist, a cantor, um, and a prioress several times at the at the mother house. Um, she was everything. Yeah, right? Um, yeah, so at the age of 101, 
skip a few years. Let's skip yeah, you know, they, from 1947. The until, 80s. The 80s were weird. Yeah, it's um, fine. So we're getting over that. Yeah. And we're just going straight. She's to been in her life as a porter, an organist, cantor, um, and a prioress. Right at the age of 101, sister underwent hip and knee surgery. Like she right. was strong enough at that point yeah. to go under hip surgery. Right. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. She was crazy strong Good for night. being 101 because they don't do that. Right. They don't do surgery on people who are too feeble. So no, man. yeah. She and must. She must have drank her milk in the in the convent. I'm sure she you know, did. Calcium. All those Cliff bars. This lady was awesome, <laughs> right? And and it wasn't like they yeah Cliff bars. <laughs> she underwent you know hip and knee surgery, and she was still able to join in all of the usual things that she was doing. Right, which included um, joining her sisters for prayer and visiting six sisters. Like, so it's not like she was like up in a bed somewhere going, "Y'all, I'm 101. Right. I'm a, I'm just gonna call it a day. I'm gonna relax. I'm gonna spend my days in leisure. Right. Bring me some cookies and milk, <laughs> and that'll be it. No, she continued to do right what she was mm-hmm. called to do. She continued to live an active life as a as a um, as a sister and be a bride of Christ, like right? up until the end, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, taking care of the taking care of her her fellow sisters. Uh, it says on March twenty fifth, two thousand eighteen, um, she celebrated her one hundred and tenth birthday at her convent, where she was visited by um, the Archbishop of Krakow. Mm. <laughs> so no big deal. The Archbishop just comes and Come visits on in for you. cake for your birthday, right? What do you get a hundred and ten year old sister? Where do you, I, what do you get her? I yeah, thought like you said, where a, do you get her? I'm like, in Poland. She's in, in Poland. Poland? <laughs> Eastern Europe, obviously. Right? Yeah. That would be interesting to, to like, what do you, Birthday like, what, yeah, what would you get? Well, I mean, I'm sure there's like prayers and all that kind of even, stuff. Even, I guess, and, anything you, you get her, like, material wise, would go to the, the order because yeah. she can't really accept Probably a rosary. I'm just, I'm just joking. Everyone gives her. She's got 110 (laughs) rosaries. (laughs) Everyone gives us rosaries, but, um, you know, I would just, she probably would just ask for prayers, you know, and, and, and now, I mean, she did pass away and we trust in God's mercy and, and that she's, um, you know, making it to heaven and Mm -hmm. she's there praying for us, but, um, we always should pray for the dead. So let's pray for her for her birthday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when asked about the secret of her long life, sister said, quote, you need to pray and learn languages. Oh, I love that. End quote. That's awesome. So along with her native Polish, she spoke English, German, French, and Latin. And she once said, life is beautiful, but too short. Oh my gosh. Right? Wow, how, how cool is that? Like, what's the, what's the secret of life? Right? There's so many, like, flowery words out there, and people are like, oh, this is the secret of life, you know. Mm-hmm. Forgive and forget and blah, blah, blah. She's like, nope. Two things. Pray, learn some languages. I love that. It keeps it keeps your your mind going and mm-hmm. and able to um, interact with a bunch of different people and and that's what's really cool. Like she was able to converse with so many people and she had such a long life to do so. What stood out to me when reading about this, Kathleen, was was the amount of experience she's seen and the amount of change she's seen. So okay. it's almost like her life was marked by so much change. I mean, think about uh, 1908, mm-hmm. like totally different world. Um, and then now, 2018, how much change? The internet, yeah. mm-hmm. like TV, plumbing, yeah. TV. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. But there's also the side of her life that didn't change, right? Her, her vocation, mm-hmm. her life as a religious sister. There's like this both and of ever ancient, ever new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gustin talks about that as, as an aspect of God. So that stuck out to me over her life, the amount of change she's seen. And mm-hmm. yet there was not a lot of change in her, her fundamental relationship with Christ and the order and the Dominicans. Yeah. 
Well, even that that last little statement about life is beautiful but too short. Yeah. First of all, yeah, like both of those things. When you look at her life, you could say that they're not true because yeah. her life was not short. It was very very long by today's yeah. standards, and it was also maybe by some people's standards not beautiful. Right. Um. You know, religious life aside, what people think about that, but like her 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 life living through World War II in in a time of intense right. persecution. Um. But then just like the difficulties of uh of the religious life and how some and and like being sick and all that kind of stuff like but it kind of ties into what we were talking about last week with uh father jd about like how beauty is wrapped up in in pain sometimes how beauty is not um allergic to suffering but that you can find beauty in the suffering and and it seems like she lived her life um on that model yeah something to emulate super cool so sister rozak and i love to like the you need to pray and learn languages yeah like what like yeah. what what sister i almost said what saint but like yes what sister says you, you know you need to pray yeah. you need to learn languages yeah and um, that. yeah and she kind of reminds me of the um the cistercian monks um up in dallas because a lot of them have a similar story like they escaped communism in the mm-hmm. 50 like the older monks they escaped communism in the 50s and they ended up in dallas and they started like their preparatory school for boys but they also helped start the, the university that i went to university of dallas and um and a lot of them are still alive and they're, yeah. they're, you know, in their nineties, like late nineties. Yeah. Um, but they're still active, you know, they're, they're still exercising, they're writing, they're exercising their minds, they're, they're teaching. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, an, it's an incredible thing to witness and you think like, oh, that's so like odd, but beautiful. But for them, it's just their life. Um, yeah. and like, because they've chosen to, to commit themselves to like, you know, pray, study and work. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're out there and if you are discerning your vocation, just know that you, you don't know what God has in store for you. You mm-hmm. don't know the plan. None of us really do um, that we can look at and say, I'm sure Sister Rozak at the beginning of her life never would have imagined what was going to happen right, to her, yeah. where she would go, all the crazy adventures. I mean, hiding Jewish, persecuted Jews during World War II. I mean, all this cool stuff never would have uh, been in her mind, and yet yeah. God brought her on a mission. So God might be calling you to be religious, be married, be consecrated, single, something. You have a mission. You don't know what it is. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Go go live it. Go yes, live it. Indeed. Yeah, she just passed away just recently on November 16th of this year, 2018. Mm. And so we pray for her, uh, for her intercession, Sister Cecilia Marie, uh, Maria Rosak. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So, um, you know what is uh, very much alive? We are here at the Catholic Underground. Totally unscripted, right? Yep. <laughs> Rolling with the punches. You're listening to the Catholic Underground. We're online at CatholicUnderground.tv. I'm Kathleen Lee. We've got Jeff Blackwell, Olivia Galino, Father Brad Doyle. They're also here. Our picks of the week are coming up, but first, this is a, I think, something um, that we all need to talk about because, you know, we talk about this idea of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and being led by the Holy Spirit, right? And so I remember being told, you know, told about that in, in, you know, confirmation especially and being like, okay, go out there and discern and be, let yourself be led, (laughs) And so I'll just imagine myself like in a field going, lead me, Lord. And then, the, you know, of course, lead me, Lord, lead me, Lord, by the light oh of truth. Yeah. Like, but in my mind, the words are always, lead me, Lord, lead me, Lord, 
by the light of the moon. And I think that's two by songs that might, <laughs> yeah, I think I might be mixing some, some channels there. Right. But Olivia, how can we be sure, right. That we're being led by the Holy spirit. <laughs> Tell us. Such a light question. Enlighten mm. us. Tell us, sensei. Off the, t- off the top of my <laughs> noggin. Right? Um, no, I, I mean, I agree with you that sometimes, like, just hearing those words, like, being led by the Spirit or something, like, in me, I, I don't know, I'm, like, cynical to the course. I'm yep. just like, oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really? Like, you're being led by yourself, and you're just... Well, yeah, well, because a lot of times, I think that we, we tend to, like, over sentimentalize the spiritual life and Mm -hmm. um because we we gravitate towards things that we see as meaningful and so like we see especially we hear a lot about how other people have these like really profound experiences and we you know we want those for ourselves and so sometimes i think our mind can not play tricks on us but like encourage us down a path that may not be completely authentic when the reality of the spiritual life is sometimes it's not as gratifying as we think it might be or like or as immediately gratifying uh especially as we think it should be um or or even like the action of the holy spirit it's not always like flowers and sunshine or like you know bouquets at your feet but like sometimes it's it's a really rocky road and so how do you tell if you are being led in a, in a way that's going to lead to life. Um, and I think that's the first thing when we're talking about being led by the spirit is like, is it, is it something that's going to generate life? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like whatever it is that that you're asking, um, the Lord for, for guidance on, does it generate life? (laughs) That's, that's the first thing, because if it doesn't, then chances are, it's probably not coming from the Holy spirit. Um, but, but really like being led by the Holy Spirit, it's not something that happens in like those big moments of our lives. It's, it's something that should happen every day. Um, and it's something that we should be pursuing every day and especially inviting into our lives, um, every day because ultimately, you know, our, our, our gift, uh, and task on this earth, as the fathers would say is, is the image and likeness of God. You know, the image is gift, but the likeness is task. So every day we're called to become more of the likeness. Um, we're coming to be called to be more like God, to become more like him, um, and to be formed to the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, and the only way that that's going to happen is through the Holy Spirit. The way the Holy Spirit exists on earth, um, is, you know, obviously like in, in your personal relationships, but fundamentally through the church and the sacraments. Um, so first of all, you know, if you want to be led by the spirit, pursue those things. Um, but then in your daily life, um, and, and meditating on the life of Christ, um, this is what he did. He pursued, uh, a life, uh, living in the spirit every day. Um, you know, look at his baptism. The Holy spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove. Um, and then after that, the, uh, in Matthew four tells us that he was led by the spirit into the wilderness. Um, so the, the Holy spirit from that moment of his baptism, uh, directed his actions and Christ was what he was obedient to them. He, he, he allowed himself to be led by the spirit. Um, and you know, so in our kind of figuring out if we're being led by the spirit or, or where we should be led, you know, are we open to that? Are we open to being led somewhere? Um, and especially maybe somewhere that's not as face value attractive, like the wilderness, Mm -hmm. um, or whatever that, that, equivalent like is in your own life right? yeah mm-hmm. it be like led to somewhere where you're gonna hit a brick wall and then be asked to do something that is risking your own life yeah okay <laughs> or being led to a different good than the one that you imagine yeah. for yourself yeah, and it could sometimes, be uncomfortable yeah sorry I, I spoke up on someone but it could be un- uncomfortable yeah. um where you're led and so the holy spirit doesn't necessarily always lead you to comfort i'll get back to that later in my mm-hmm. mm-hmm. charge yeah no you're right because i mean we want to think that 
that the Lord wants us to be happy, quote unquote, and that happiness means comfort, but nah, nah, oh, Happiness does not equal comfort. Nah, There's bro. a lot of sad, comfortable people. Oh, yeah. So we'll get back to that. So when you were talking... Um, <laughs> He's just segueing to his own... <laughs> Let's just no. talk about my time. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> perseverance. <laughs> no. So look, look. So I had this experience when I was at the Institute for Priestly Formation mm-hmm. in Omaha, Nebraska. All of our seminarians go through it. Um, and it's a Jesuit. It's a, it's the Ignatian kind of summer. You, mm-hmm. you study the uh, discernment of spirits. And there was this crew of like uh, people who had been part of the charismatic renewal that would meet every morning to pray but it was a charismatic prayer and Mm -hmm. there was guitars there was music it was awesome and I played guitar so they asked me if I could lead music for it I remember we were sitting down with one of the Jesuits who was uh, in a who's a very charismatic guy and he was part of the charismatic renewal and and one of the seminarians said well father how long is it going to be normally and he said well it's going to be about 45 minutes to an hour and and one of the other seminarians piped up and was like well as long as the spirit leads us and then the, the Jesuit this is what stood out to me he said the Jesuit goes Oh no, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of reason <laughs> and order. It will be an hour. And I was like, oh, and, and it pointed out and I was really affected by that. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed like so, so many people think the spirit is willy nilly, yeah. that the yeah. spirit is just going to, it, it's not reasonable, it's not ordered, mm-hmm. but that is not the case, you know, yeah. that, that the Holy Spirit actually desires order for our life. Mm-hmm. Now, Sometimes it's mysterious. Sometimes it leads us where we don't think we're going. But sometimes we need to set the limits uh, for for God to be working. So we, it's for us. It's not mm-hmm. for God yeah. to have limits, but for us to have those limits. So that stood out to me, that story. No, I think that's beautiful. Think about Genesis when it says the spirit hovers over the waters. Uh, and that's that's right. the creative force. You know, God speaks and it's the spirit who hovers uh, over the waters and transforms the chaos into what into order yeah um so i think you're right that uh, i love that he pointed that out because we don't think like that we don't think that the spirit is something that is uh not only uh, inclined towards order but is order itself yeah uh, we and timely we, yeah yeah um and i mean even in like common parlance we talk about god having a plan for our life a plan is something that's like definitive it has steps it has yeah. boundaries like you were saying limits it's not a plan like i don't know like just do this and like, see what happens. Yeah. You know, like yeah. God's not going to, he's not going to do play, you know, Russian roulette with your life. Right. Um, and especially not with what he wants for you. Sure. Yeah. Um, but he also like sets in place his assurances for how to, how to know that, that, that you are being led by the Holy spirit and how to encourage that in your life. Um, and if you really like want to narrow it down quick and figure out what that is, the answer is Mary. Yeah. Yeah, um, St. Maximian Colby, who I, you know, I got to talk about last week, um, or a week before, sorry, um, he has a lot to say about Mary, as you probably know, but he says something really stunning that kind of snaps all of this into focus. Um, back in 1936, he said, the Holy Spirit and Mary are two persons who live in such intimate union that they live but one soul life. Wow. That's incredible. Um, And we often talk about Mary as being the spouse of the Holy Spirit, because remember, you know, it's the Holy Spirit who comes upon her and overshadows her. That that word in Greek is episkiazo, Um, like she's overshadowed by the Holy Spirit in the same manner that the the Old Testament Ark of the Covenant was overshadowed by the presence of God um, and the the glory of God. The Shekinah. 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 So Mary was was Shekinah, where she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and that's like the moment that that she was united to the Holy Spirit in a in a spousal way. 
Yeah, um, obviously that because was intentional and there was a plan involved and yeah. the Holy Spirit was like, oh, what to do tonight? Mm-hmm. I see this woman praying over here. Let you know. Let's let's try this out. Yeah, What's up, Mary? What you got going on? Yeah. What to do tonight? <laughs> yeah. like, but if you if you don't think that 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 was an intentional plan, yeah, right. That 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 you know that that was timely and there was it wasn't an accident. It wasn't you know as we were saying willy nilly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, love, I love Kathleen. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, she is she's the one woman that God chose to carry within her womb and give birth to to his only son. It's it's her flesh. It's her DNA that that Jesus takes his humanity from. Um, she's the she's the woman who became the mother of God. She's the spouse of the Holy Spirit. So when we're we're, you know, fishing around for ways to know that that the Holy Spirit is is present in our lives, go to Mary. Um, I mean, always go to Mary, but especially then when you're trying to to sniff out what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Um, so while one is creature, Mary, and the other is the third person of the Trinity, that's the Holy Spirit, um, it's really kind of virtually impossible to overestimate the depth of the relationship between them. Um, I mean, think about it. She conceived the Son of God in her womb because of him, because of the Holy Spirit. So that's a deep intimacy there, and we can't deny that. Um, so because of that intimacy, that allows us to enter into, as cl- the closer we come to her, the closer we come to the Holy Spirit. Um, and think about the wedding at Cana. It's kind of a, a, a key example. You know, the same spirit that led Christ into the wilderness, he worked through Mary in order to instruct Christ about his first miracle, right? Because Christ was, he, he was about to perform, or he was just at a wedding, and Mary comes up to him with this problem, saying they're out of wine, and he tells her, what? My hour has not yet come. Right. He's basically saying, well, hold on, not yet. She doesn't say anything to him. She turns around to the, to the you know, the waiters and mm-hmm. says, do whatever he tells you. She was so intimately united with the Holy Spirit that she knew, maybe not before he did, but but um, in a way that allowed him to to uh, to manifest his glory in this particular way. And so she had a complete assurance that whatever was going to happen next was from God himself. Um and that's why she says, do whatever he tells you. And that's what we should do. <laughs> we should go to Mary and she'll instruct us, whatever it is uh, in our lives that, that we need to be obedient to the Lord, that we need to invite the Holy Spirit into. She'll, she'll help you figure out what that is because she is a mother first and foremost. Um, and then, you know, after, after she says that to the, to the servants, they immediately obey and they play this intimate role in a beautiful miracle. That's what ultimately, ultimately what we want for our lives. We want to, to be a part of that meaning in some way. And she will help us do that. Um, and then, and yeah. then they did the money dance. Yep. And then they did the money <laughs> dance. I just I always like to project into the wedding feast of Canada, like our tradition. It's like, it's like, you ran out of wine, make the wine. Where's the money dance? We're throwing the bouquets. Hey, Uptown up Funk is playing in the back. Pokey time. <laughs> Yes. All right, indeed. all right. Pray your rosary, folks. Yes. <laughs> oh my. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, um, yes. Yeah, so allow the Holy Spirit maybe this week to to move in your life in a different way, and we are glad that the Holy Spirit has led you here. You're watching and listening to the Catholic Underground. There's so much more on the other side of the break. So stick with us. A prayer for vocations. O God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live, 
Grant, we beseech you, through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, St. Joseph, her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Isn't it? Jeff has the best comeback music. I'm always like, I feel like I'm in a 50s lounge. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, pour me a mixed drink. Yeah. Made with Monster. Sorry. You have found whatever they had back then. I don't know. Gimlet. Yeah. You have found. You have been led to the Catholic Underground with me, Kathleen, joined by Olivia Galino, Father Brad Doyle, and Jeff Blackwell. Our picks of the week are coming up. But first, Father Brad, you have been alluding to your segment all uh, all night with great perseverance. Oh, yeah, I don't wanna. Well, too bad. You're gonna have to. I'm, d- <laughs> I'm <just> joking. <laughs> you know how, like, when you were little, you would say if you if someone wanted you to do it, you'd mm-hmm. say I don't want it anymore. Yeah. I don't want to. But I'm gonna persevere here. So uh, yes, <laughs> actually, so there's this, this article of Radiant Magazine, Sarah uh, Coffee. Um, which is a really cool name, wow, I'm right? Jealous. I wonder if Sarah likes her coffee black, or with sugar, or whatever. Anyway, um, she wrote uh, she wrote an article um, called "Perseverance: A Counterculture Expression of Our Faith," and um, and really, perseverance is a word often associated with athletes. Mm-hmm. You know that, right? You got to persevere, go to the end, four quarters, if you will, four quarters. There's four quarters. Four quarters. Go all the way to the end, even if there's overtime, like seven overtimes. Yeah, I don't want to talk Anyway, but soon. what do I, what does it mean in relation to our spiritual life? Um, so most dictionary definitions would describe perseverance something like this, steadfastness in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. So let's look at it through a Catholic uh, lens. So how do we apply that to the faith? Um, That something we're doing is living our call in the world, pursuing God's will or trying to. Now here's a difference. Here's a difference between like maybe the the sports analogy, the sport mm-hmm. understanding of perseverance, and and the faith. Right. right. Um, success in sports is winning. Mm-hmm. Right. Winning here, getting yeah. the Super Bowl, getting a SEC championship, um, all those things, or an MVP award. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but in in the spiritual life, it's really not about this world. It's sure. about eternity. It's about um, getting to heaven with Jesus Christ. And sometimes, sometimes that actually includes uh, failing, mm-hmm. failing here. And so we got to persevere through that until what the end. We talk about final perseverance when we pray yeah. for final perseverance. It's the final perseverance of our faith that we do not lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, so every struggle with vice, sin, or paralyzing emotion like fear, dread, or impatience is a difficulty or delay that slows us from reaching that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so she gives some examples. Miss um, Coffey gives some examples, and one is St. Philomena. I always mm-hmm. find that it's important whenever you're talking about something and uh, to give an example, especially mm-hmm. the saints. You look to the saints, and they are so much, it's so much easier to see virtue when it's, when it's on somebody, yeah, yeah, right. When it's yeah. clothing somebody, you're not mm-hmm. like very few people can wax eloquent about um, some theological virtue and understand it. Mm-hmm. Well, just show it, show yeah. it. Well, that's what the virtues are. I mean, you think about like the commandments as like the skeleton, but the virtues give flesh to the person. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And and um, so St. Philomena showed this virtue of perseverance. So St. Philomena, if you're not uh, familiar, she was the only child of a royal pagan family, uh, two, two pagan parents in a small state in ancient Greece. So it's a long time ago, early church. She converted to Christianity and pledged her life and her virginity to Jesus at a young age. And I think that's important actually to point out that celibacy virginity especially the consecrated virgins were it's a thing right from the beginning oh yeah uh, saint cecilia you mm-hmm. think as they say and so saint yeah. philomena is one of those consecrated virgins at 13 she traveled with her parents to rome going to the big city <laughs> and upon attending an audience with the great persecutor emperor diocletian is one he persecuted the church a lot mm-hmm. she was offered a marriage proposal from the emperor it's kind of creepy. He's probably yeah, an old dude. It's real creepy. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. She's um, thirteen, and she's like, "Nope," <laughs> <laughs> which I love. That's so great. Uh, no, uh, her refusal led obviously because sometimes people in power, especially evil people who persecute <laughs> pe- other people, um, don't aren't very humble. So. Being rejected by a little 13-year-old Christian was not uh, what he wanted. So he, she spent months in prison in, in Roman jail. He responded appropriately as an adult. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to throw you in jail. <laughs> That'll make you love me. Yeah. yeah, she really wanted to marry him after that. Followed by three days of torture and suffering. Now, I'll stop here. I'll stop here because when you look at the world, most people would reach this point. And say, maybe it's time to give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's time to stop. Maybe it's it's just too much. Um, I can't do it. I'm a 13. Yeah. I'm 13 years old. I don't even I don't even know if her parents are Christian at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe she didn't have a lot of friends. Maybe I mean Christianity is persecuted. Nothing in this world would tell you that she should persevere. Yeah. She should keep going. And yet that's exactly what she did. Actually, it says right here, her parents threatened her, guilted her, begged her to change her mind, to portray her promise to Jesus. So it's like the opposite of the mom and Maccabees, right? Mm-hmm. right, right who's right, telling right. them, yeah. oh, don't, don't go persevere yeah. to the end. She's being told by her parents to, to reject this. Um, but she doesn't. After a month in prison, she was scourged. She was repeated, humiliated, and braided. Guards tied an anchor around her neck and threw her into the Tiber River. I'm joking, Tiber. <laughs> about to say, don't uh, do this to me. <laughs> yet she floated to the top. Okay, so miraculous. Mm-hmm. And you see this with yeah, saints. Yeah, and yeah. Maximilian Colby keeps coming up. This happened kind of they wanted to starve him to death and he wouldn't starve yeah, to death. Yeah, so he persevered to the end. But um, so And then Roman archers shot her with arrows, but the arrows bounced off like they couldn't. So only beheading after three days of torture could end her life and send her to be with her divine spouse because she was a consecrated virgin and Christ the spouse received her into the heavenly banquet. So Mm -hmm. Philomena could have taken the easy way out and doing so would have guaranteed her a life of comfort. But she dug in her heels and said to those who tried to shake her, my kingdom is in heaven. That's actually Mm -hmm. what she said to uh, Diocletian when he tried to get her to to reject her vow. So Mm -hmm. um, you know what stood out to me and I want to talk about is we all want to say yes in that moment mm-hmm. of martyrdom, but we have to practice saying yes throughout our life. Perse- final perseverance mm-hmm. is about persevering now. Yeah. So we want to say yes at the end of our life. Mm-hmm. We have to live it now. And so that means sometimes yeah. denying ourselves comfort. We talked about comfort mm-hmm. earlier. And, I, and people ask me why I do crazy races. 
right? Why don't Father Brad? Why do you jump into mud pits and and uh, go for run twenty eighty miles? Or run eighty miles, twenty four hours, climb mountains, eighteen thousand feet, throw up because of uh, altitude <laughs> sickness, um, eat Cliff bars over and over and yeah. over, drink the old stale coffee. Like, why do you do this to yourself? Hold up. <laughs> no, don't drink it. Oh. <laughs> that coffee is three days old, people. <laughs> I don't care because I'm persevering. No, that's. <laughs> But, but, and I tell them, I say, because sometimes you have to wake yourself up and constantly be in comfort. I came up with a phrase it's called being drunk with comfort. And um, yeah. the scriptures right now in Advent oh, yeah. are, are all about staying awake mm-hmm. and being uncomfortable in order to do that, right? It's the end's going to be scary. Mm-hmm. Our final judgment's going to be scary. You know, the end times, it said in the scriptures on the first Sunday of Advent, um, people will die of fright. Mm-hmm. So we need to prepare and we need to wake up. And so sometimes even physical discomfort can help us do that and spiritual discomfort too. That's what yeah. fasting is. Yeah. Well, and, and too, like it's not so she didn't, what strikes me about this is that she didn't go like seeking out ways of being, uh, uh persecuted even more or right, tortured, right, right, right. you know, she, she didn't invite any of this, um, uh, uh, in terms of like willing it to happen to herself. Sure. But once it was happening, she accepted it and she was peaceful about it and she persevered through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think too, it's important to notice that like these, the, honestly, these are just the ordinary circumstances of her life, circumstances right. of her life, um, given the time that she was in, but she met them with great courage because we can't even imagine a world like this. Um, she met them with great courage and with great perseverance in the faith. Um, so I guess my point just is that, yes, sometimes it's about like realizing, throwing off our complacency and, and seeking after radical ways to love and radical ways to follow Christ. And sometimes it's just, what is it that I'm trying to get rid of in my own life? Or what, what is it that's, that's, I'm being confronted with that I would rather deal, I'd rather deal with something else. Uh, what can I invite that's already present in my own life as a way to, to enter deeper into the life of Christ, right. the life of virtue? Absolutely. We see that in, in her example. And um, so there's a section of the article, Miss Coffey writes, and it's, the title is Faith is Fidelity not feeling. Mm. And I want to talk about that. Yes. I want to hear what y'all have to say about this because a perseverance, final perseverance is not about a feeling. It's not about an emotion. Sometimes it actually is painful and difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a feeling <laughs> and it's not the same as fidelity. It's not. Okay. So, um, what is, what is what does she mean by this? And again, another saint, Saint Teresa of Calcutta. Um, saint Teresa went through something similar, as, uh, but in a different way, not mm-hmm. physical persecution um, or a physical pain, like a torture or whatever. Even though she did uh, make sacrifices, mm-hmm. but it was a spiritual. Um, dryness. So mm-hmm. she's best known for founding Missionaries of Charity, if you don't know. The mm-hmm. blue and white habits. Saris. Yeah, great. Um, they're awesome. St. Teresa first felt the tug to found this order when on a train traveling to Darjeeling, as is in India. Mm-hmm. And she received approval from the Vatican and the work of the order began. So she started the Missionaries of Charity. Shortly after, and this was a time of great consolation. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what consolation is, it's just like a, a you feel good about your faith, yeah. right? And it's and it's a grace, mm-hmm. right? A, a perception of grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, so at this time, founding it, which is awesome because God knows that He knows we need consolation when we're when we're starting a great work. Mm-hmm. But after a while, and actually right after, shortly after, Saint Teresa began to sense God's presence less and less in prayer. Didn't. God's presence didn't um, go away, but she sensed it less. Do you see that word? Sense. Mm -hmm. Um, At mass and in spiritual direction, she sensed God's presence less. Mm -hmm. He was there, but she sensed it. Uh, She felt abandoned 
unwanted. And she sh- describes this in her journals, um, if you read her journals. Mm-hmm. She described it as a darkness, perhaps not unlike the, the dark night of the soul St. John of the Cross is known for in his mm-hmm. writings. The, um, it's called the apophatic way, mm-hmm. right? The way yeah. of unknowing mm-hmm. instead of the cataphatic, the way of light. Yeah. Um, it's a time of complete and utter loss and of all spiritual consolation. The craziest part about this is she experienced this like some of us experience this, we're like, oh, we're kind of depressed, and and you do, and some of y'all really do experience this. But this was for fifty years straight. Yeah, this wasn't a weekend, mm-hmm. a bad weekend. Yeah, you yeah. know, wasn't a one mm-hmm. bad prayer session. The majority yeah. of her life, yeah. the majority yeah. of her life was spent in persevering through mm-hmm. a certain feeling. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think a lot of times when we talk about the saints, what I love about Mother Teresa, and I, I use this a lot when talking to young people. I'm like, you know, there's a lot else that went on in her life, right? But when you look at at you know a great saint like mother Teresa, she based her life off of two words mm-hmm. that she heard the lord speak to her it wasn't i thirst mm-hmm. she saw a man you know dying on on the the train um platform right and she heard jesus say i thirst and what she did with her life right so we look at this idea of you know the, the saints and how Oh, they must have been a daily, you know, actual conversation with mm-hmm. the Lord. Like the Lord spoke to them and said, good morning. Mm-hmm. This is what I want you to do today. You're going to be this kind right. of whole, you know, like Siri. She, two words, two words. What do I do with my day? Right? And what he's like, well, you could do this and that, but you know, whatever you want. Two words. Right. And she based her entire life. She based an entire movement. She based an entire order right off of this. Mm-hmm. And every day, every day, you know, as Father Brad was saying, um, you know, she, she hit all kinds of walls. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're working in India with, with people who are dying every day, there was something that wasn't being fulfilled, that there was, you know, they weren't going to have enough money to do this, or they weren't going to have any medication. And every day she persevered in her faith and she, she knew that the Lord would provide for her. Right. And he did mm-hmm. good night. The stories that come from her, you know, from her life of her just saying, no, 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 the Lord's going to provide for this. Right. If I were going through the dark night of the soul for 50 years, I think at probably about year three, I would have been like, done, <laughs> donezo. I'm going to my room. I'm closing the door. I'm getting under my covers. Bye, Felicia. Like, that's it. Bye, Felicia. Right? And she didn't. And, she, and that's what, like, you want to talk about perseverance? That's what it is. And that's yeah. what, what faithful perseverance is. I wonder if there's a uh, sister Felicia. Mm, so that because sisters could Felicia. just say, bye, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Saint Felicia, that'd be Saint awesome. Mm. Well, so, I mean, well, what are you going to say? I was thinking Felicity, but that's, that's close enough. It's probably derivative. Yeah, yeah. Ah, Felicity. Well, and I, I just added like one little thing. Um, her connection with Saint John of the Cross is interesting to me because I remember something that he said. He said, "If a man wishes to be sure of the road that he treads on, he must close his eyes and walk in the dark." Um, so wow. even in those moments of, uh, not moments, even those decades of of darkness, um, that, you know, she, she still could, I guess, almost perceive the presence of God through his absence, but it was a painful presence because any kind of, any kind of absence or even, you know, her feelings of unwantedness on, um, like that, that abandonment that she experienced, that's painful. But even through that, she understood the presence of God and she never abandoned, like Kathleen was saying, she never abandoned what she was called to do because she didn't feel what she, what maybe other people might've expected to feel. Um, she, she really did close her eyes and walk in the dark. Um, and that was sufficient for her. That was sufficient. I mean, that was sufficient for millions of people. Um, just the, the tiny faith of a tiny woman. Absolutely. Uh, I want to, I want to go back to a sports analogy. Is that okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Father Chris isn't that? here, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> when Father Chris is here, it's like a Star Trek or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. He generally he tries to make sports references. Sometimes, Sometimes. he gets them right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've yeah. heard him do that. Um, so I'm going to go back we to miss a sports you, reference. Chris. We do. Because it's so relatable to me, at least, uh, and I've experienced. So there's this LSU player, um, Alex Bregman, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. what's yep. up? He go played Tigers. shortstop for us. Right now, he plays third base for the Astros. Now, yep. uh, two years ago, the Astros won the World Series, and Alex Bregman was a part of that team. And and he won game five. It was a walk-off single. I think it was extra innings. And I remember, I watched it. I watched it. I was at the chimes, actually. I, actually, they kicked us out of the chimes because we went to extra innings. And I had to listen to it in the car. Oh, man. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, but I remember after that, someone wrote on Twitter. Like, someone wrote and he go, and they said, Alex Bregman did not win that game last night. I was thinking, like, what do you mean? And he said, Alex Bregman won that game his entire life when mm. he chose to do the right thing over and over. Yeah. And then he was referencing like um, hitting and then in the article, it, it linked to an article and then the article he talks about when he was at LSU, he actually forced by LSU to put in key fobs on the batting cages because um, he went so often that he was aggravating all the like the student trainers because the student trainers had to open it up yeah, for yeah, the yeah. for um, for the players and he would call them at like 1 a.m. and like 12 midnight and he'd be like okay meet me there I'm gonna practice and they and they, so they finally put in key fobs because he was doing it over and over mm -hmm. and I really think there's a, there's something to do with perseverance like mm -hmm. did it at midnight um, your junior year of college. You don't realize the moment in the World Series mm -hmm. where you're going to have the opportunity to hit that baseball. Mm -hmm. But that your success in that moment, let's say an analogy in the moment of martyrdom, mm -hmm. your success depends upon all of the reps you ever took, mm -hmm. all of the choices to persevere, all the choices to continue your prayer life, even though you don't perceive its worth in that moment. Mm -hmm. That moment de depends on that. So you almost build up muscle memory. Mm -hmm. It's almost a spiritual muscle memory. Mm -hmm. And um, they're all connected. And and so I, I saw that as a, as a sweet analogy. I use it all the time for weddings. You know, mm -hmm. everyone wants a successful wedding. Mm -hmm. Well, then live your engagement like you want a successful wedding. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to win the World Series. Then train. It's mm -hmm. hard to be an Olympic yeah. athlete. Mm -hmm. You want to win the Olympics? Mm -hmm. You're going to have to suffer. These people suffer. Um, and if you do, you want to be a faithful Christian and persevere to the end. Yes, then do it now. Yeah. One day at the end of your life, you're going to want to be able to joyfully meet the Lord, joyfully bear the burdens that the end of life brings. Right? A mm -hmm. lot of times, like elderly, they there's, they suffer a lot. Well, then suffer now. Suffer now so that you can be at the end of your life joyful and not be bitter. Because sometimes I see pe people who, at the end of their life, become bitter. They become angry. They lash out because they didn't. They spent their life being comfortable mm -hmm. instead of being, you know, sacrificial. And yeah. I want you to be a nice old person. Well, and I think too, just being patient with like the timing of God. I mean, yes, we want nice old people. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry, like, I ended it with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm thinking about something that Philip Neary says about uh, perseverance. He talks about discretion um, as being like an essential element of perseverance because he says, you know, we can't wish to do everything all at once or to become a saint in four days. You know, like Alex Bregman didn't become the player that he was in four days. Right. It took an entire lifetime. Philomena spent her entire life, same same with Mother Teresa, certainly, her entire life chasing after Jesus, seeking after him alone. And and that's, that's the thing that makes a saint. It's not something that you can like try to just rack up in four days. Um, and it's something that takes, like you were saying, every moment 
persistence in every moment um, to not only give it over, but also to be willing to receive what the Lord has for you in that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. You got it. There's a progression. Yeah. There's a progression. Yep. Perseverance, man. Got to persevere. Got to keep uh, fighting the fight, walking the walk like yes. uh, Alex Bregman and Mother Teresa. Very similar. <laughs> they were both, they're both very short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alex is short. <laughs> Well, we are so glad that you who are listening or watching have persevered to the to this part of the show, Jeff, that we love to call the CU Pick of the Week. <sighs> yes, indeed. I love that. I love it. Okay, I'm going to go to um, Olivia. Ooh, Yay. my turn. By the way, I noticed that someone um, put in the comments last week on, on the Facebook Live that um, that they'll they'll miss whenever I have to follow Kathleen or something, or they'll like miss how it is oh, now when I have to follow sweet. Kathleen. I'm like, oh. me too, me too. So for possibly the last time of me going first, um, and also for the third year in a row, this is my pick of the week during Advent. I know that I, I yep. pick this every year, and it's like a tradition now, but That's it's great. so important. Um, so this book is by Bernard of Clairvaux, um, and it's his sermons for Advent in the Christmas season. And I, I, there is no, I mean, I don't, that I know of, feel free to back chat us and let me know what your, your Advent reading is. But for me, there's no better preparation for Advent um, because the way that he goes into what's happening during Advent, it's not just a season of waiting. It's not just a season of like the, you know, Advent means coming. It's not just the season of, of, of waiting and, and expecting the Lord's coming. He's talking about what does that even mean that the Lord is coming into the, into, into the flesh, coming into our lives, coming into earth through the sacrament. It's like, what, what does all of that even mean? And especially, how are we to receive him? Um, that's one of the most beautiful things about this book is when he talks about, like, pride, um, things like that. Anyway, so I know that I pick this book every year, but um, it's available on Amazon's where I got it, and I'm sure other booksellers. And please read it. Make that your Advent reading uh, and your Christmas reading because there's some sermons in there about Christmas, too. Excellent job. Yeah. Mr. Blackwell, do you have a good one? Well, I, I think it's good. I mean, it, uh, you know, I, I, I got to, well, first of all, the smartphones are, are have really gotten, I mean, feature rich, as I used to say oh, back yeah. in the mm-hmm. 70s, but uh, they're really expensive too. Yep. So uh, there's a pretty cool way of uh, protecting the screen. And in fact, I um, when I bought the phone, I had them install one at the, the, the dealer where I bought the phone. And it's probably not the wisest thing. I think it was... Thirty-four dollars mm. because it's a privacy screen. In other oh, words, okay. if you turn just just if you're just off angle, you can't see what's on the screen. Mm. Uh, not that I mean, my wife knows my password. She gets in there and plunders <laughs> all the time. So, uh, but uh, anyway, um, mine broke. I dropped the phone and the the, the thirty-five dollar one broke. So I went to uh, Amazon and I found that the same company makes a, a package of two for twelve bucks. And it, I, I like it even better because the, the edges are really smooth oh. and uh, it still does the same adequate good job. And uh, it was easy to install, even for an old guy like me. But you see, <laughs> I'm going to show you right here. If I turn the screen a little bit, wow. see, this is uh, for, for people watching radio. If I'm showing you my, <laughs> my uh, iPhone screen and I turn it just to about uh, 25, 30 degrees, it goes black. You can't what really see it. What is that so. magic? Hey, I don't know. But anyway, uh, the, the link is in the show notes if you want to check it out excellent all right batter up father brad yeah okay i got something and don't get mad at me right off the bat i'll explain myself (laughs) 
Okay, so uh, my my pick of the week, uh, because we're in the Advent season, we're preparing for Christmas, preparing for that great season, yes. um, is a, is an album from a, an artist called Sufjan Stevens. <gasps> yes, mm. is it Silver and Gold? No, it's not that one. It's the first one. Ooh, so okay. Songs for Christmas. It was his first Christmas album. Okay, so and Songs good. for Christmas. It's actually five volumes, five little yes. EPs, um, and there's a lot of actually Advent songs yeah. in there. So really? get it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. He takes good. some great hymns, and he does them in kind of a hipster style, um, contemporary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of my favorites on there. So Songs for Christmas by Sufjan Stevens, some of my favorites, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, mm-hmm. he's got one of that. Holy, 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 Lo, How a Rose Air Blooming is yeah. one of my favorite Advent hymns. People I think it's a Christmas song. song. Right, it's actually it? Advent because it talks about yeah. Isaiah's prophecy in the Jesse oh, tree. Wow. Um, oh, Holy Night. Well, that's Christmas. But, well, um, he's got a Justice Delivers Its Death on there. That's a really good one. Yes, absolutely. And and one of my favorite on there is actually the the hymn Holy 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 um, the one holy, 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 mm, and we yeah. think of it this like staunchy hymn that like yeah. p- sometimes people don't like, like oh it's too high church, and it's like mm-hmm. oh wait mm-hmm. go listen to his version, you really like it, and mm. it's a good way to to prepare, and then you have some Christmas left over for whenever we're celebrating right. Christmas season. Oh, nice, yeah, good, pick. yes, indeed. Okay, Kathleen, my pick is thank you because I didn't know how to segue to myself. <laughs> I was like, and now me. <laughs> <laughs> If you were listening last week, um, remember my my pick of the week was the Amazon Dot. Right. Alexa and I are now best friends. We talk all the time. Wow. I'm, Alexa, play me some music. You're I, gonna turn people's Alexas on again. I know. Oh. Oopsies. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And she's very polite and she's very kind and easy to set up. Uh, this week, um, you know, um, this week is something different. Okay, you know, now it's Advent. And, you know, every year I've kind of unofficially done a gift-giving guide mm-hmm. um, for the Advent season, you know, things that, you know, purposeful gifts. Mm-hmm. Now, this one I'm going to start off as a gift to yourself, okay? Because you can Amazon Prime this. This was um, um, suggested to me by my friend Christy, right? It's a book called Rooted in Hope. Mm. Yes, Rooted in Hope. And it's a, like an Advent um, kind of like journal. It's a 33-day yeah. um like script meditation, yeah, scripture, scripture yeah. meditation. There's things where you can write in where things that you want to do. Um, it's by take up and read. It's beautifully done. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Um, Advent started today. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening to this live, Advent started today. So you can Amazon Prime this and get it by Wednesday, and you can catch up um, or Amazon Prime it and do it when like yeah whenever in this season um, because it not only it says I'll read it to you. Um, it's a 33 day Advent and Christmas study that extends from November 30th to January 1st. Nice. Right. In a look at scriptures that tells the stories of prominent biblical figures, this study echoes and expands upon the popular Advent tradition of a Jesse tree. That's right. Yep. (laughs) So anyway, it's called Rooted in Hope. It's beautifully, beautifully done. Um, and, and I don't have it, but I'm probably going to order it tonight and catch up. Nice. That's a good one. So let me tell you this. Let me ask you this, um, my panel who is here. What are your favorite, just quickly, what are your favorite Advent traditions as we enter into this season or, or Christmas traditions? Yeah. What do you like about it? Quickly. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Advent wreath. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Lighting the candles on the Advent wreath. Love it. 
Yeah, I, I like the Advent wreath, but uh, we, what we used to do at St. George is called a Jesse tree or giving tree. Yeah. Um, and so kids would bring forth, we'd have this little ceremony, you know, and kids would bring forth little um, ornaments. And they'd put them on a tree and then it'd be in the back and, and our parishioners would take it, f- bring back the gift wrapped, place mm-hmm. it back there. Oh, and wow. then we give it to needy children and families yeah. who can't provide Christmas presents. But it happens during Advent because we're preparing for right. Christmas, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's a good way of mm-hmm. yeah, preparing uh, the gift to be given. That's yeah. Jesus. Excellent. Jeff, what you got? Advent wreath and uh, along with a little, uh, just kind of a little prayer booklet uh, uh, for every day during Advent. Yeah, cool. Just My favorite is, is the prayer services that you do in the dark. Mm. Like, mm. like, you know, there are a couple that I've been to, um, and I think it's really cool that like you're so, like, that goes to the parts of that song. My soul in stillness waits. Mm-hmm. Right? And we're just waiting in, this, in the yeah. dark night. Yeah. Right? Beautiful. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Advent is upon us. And remember, it is not Christmas, although you can play your Christmas music if you would like. Remembering that we are in the liturgical season. Still up for debate. Of Advent. <laughs> okay, you over there, Grinch, you need to go I'm not down. a Grinch. I just believe in adhering to liturgical season. I'm adhering to it, but also in joyful hope. I'm waiting in joyful Singing hope. Singing Jingle Bell Rock. Hey, hey, hey. Your soul, is it waiting in stillness if you're singing like uh, Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You? Maybe. All I want I for so. you, all I want for Christmas is you, comma Jesus. It's like counting before. Yes. And we, Jeff, we are always grateful. We are. For those of you sticking near, our viewers, our listeners, and our benefactors. Eternally grateful. This week, Catholic Underground is possible because of people like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. Portions of the Catholic Underground are brought to you by audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. That's audibletrial.com slash Catholic Underground. And there's more information at catholicunderground.tv, Kaylee. Yes, indeed. And if you'd like the show notes for this episode or if you want to subscribe to our podcast audio, go to catholicunderground.com. That's catholicunderground.com. Our panelists this week have been Olivia Galino at the.real.omg on the Twitters and the Instagram and all over the place. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. Thank you. We've also had our second go-around guest, Father Brad Doyle. You can check out his podcast, The Quizzical Papers. Where can we find that? Every podcatcher that's known to man besides <laughs> the one that it's not on, but really iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and Spotify. Very good. Our technical director is Jeff Blackwell, jeffblackwell.us or at jeffblackwellis on Instagram and Twitter. Our research assistant and leader of the crew in the lab is the dear Jim Hayes. Jimmy! Our video and graphics director has been Albert Dupont. Yay! Hey, Albert. You know me. I'm Kathleen Lee. Next week, fingers crossed, Father Chris will be right here. You can follow me on Instagram at Kaylee626. We hope that we have helped you cut through the noise and find that still, small voice. We are the Catholic Underground. We are Faith Gone Digital, and we will see you next time.